Would you like to become a high-level influencer yourself? Well, don't miss out. Go over to thebookofpublicspeaking.com and grab your free copy of our latest book, not surprisingly called The Book of Public Speaking. This book will take you through what I share based on what I've learned as a speaker on stages for close to 20 years. It also shares interviews with some of the top speakers and speaking-related professionals that I've had the pleasure to spend the time with. And in, in addition, it includes quotes in the back by other speakers around why they get into speaking, their favorite speaking tips, and strategies they use to get more stages. So if you're wanting to become another and a better influencer, then feel free to grab this book. It'll teach you more than just speaking. But if you're wanting to get on stages and you leverage that as an influence tool, then look no further. Again, the book of public speaking.com. Now I hope you enjoy the show. It is Corey Poirier back again with the latest edition of the Let's Do Influencing show. Uh, really excited to be here with my new co-host, Shelly Rogerson, on the show. Uh, Shelly's my girlfriend, but she's much more than that. And I'm so excited to have her here with us. We've been talking about the book of why and how, my new book that's coming out with uh, Morgan James Publishing in uh, March of uh, 2020, this year, and also uh, mid-February coming out as an ebook. Uh, that's a little bit of a shameless promotion, uh, but really in this uh, show, we just want to talk about things that were written in the book and our thoughts on them. And uh, so great to have Shelly here with us. Also great to have a viewing audience as well. Uh, so Shelly, I think, um, first of all, I'd like to let you say hi to everybody and anything else you want to add before I grab a page in the book. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Okay. Okay, perfect. Uh, so we're going to, as I mentioned, just like the last episodes we've done, I think we've done three so far, we're just going to open the book, grab a spot, and I'm going to read what it says, and then we're going to have a discussion around that one topic area. So let me just, um, I don't want, actually, okay. I, I was trying not to grab a spot, and then as I, of course, as you're looking at it, you're sort of biased, and you're like, oh, I should stop there. But I didn't. I went to this page. Uh, so this is a uh, start of a section. And it's actually the bonus key in the book. So uh, at one point in the book, I share five keys to success. And not, not just generalized as simple as that, five keys to success, but the five things that I've learned from interviewing over 5,000 of the world's top influencers now. And I said I was gonna share five of them, and this was the bonus one. So bonus uh, key number six. So practice does make perfect. I'm a big believer that whenever possible, you should try to over-deliver. So I decided to include a sixth and highly powerful success key. To demonstrate this key, let me share that we interviewed Success Magazine publisher Darren Hardy when he was just releasing his brilliant book, The Compound Effect. The premise of this book is simple and powerful. If you want to achieve at the highest level of success, the surest path is to decide what you want to achieve, determine the steps you need to get there, to take to get there, and practice the steps, i.e. take action, over and over again. Each time you practice, your results will compound. As mentioned in Act 1, Malcolm Gladwell in Outliers talks about the 10,000-hour rule. He argues that it takes 10,000 hours to master anything you set your mind to. In my experience, this is a fact. Now, I'm going to skip ahead here. Well, actually, that, that'll work. I call this rule the non-talent factor because it allows us, regardless of natural talent, to eventually become a master at that which we are passionate about. I had a great conversation with world-renowned fiddler Natalie McMaster about this exact subject. I spoke in depth with Alan Andrews, the founder of the hockey school that has allowed him to work with the likes of Sidney Crosby, 
Brad Richards, and Brad Marchand. Interestingly, both conversations came around to the subject of hockey. Here's what each had to say. So I won't go any further, but I'll just say that Natalie and uh, Alan both talked about, well, in Natalie's case, she talked about fiddlers that, uh, or performers in general, that she felt should be on a bigger stage, but never made it there because they didn't put in the, the non-talent factor. They didn't put in the time, the passion. They didn't uh, put their all into it. And then other people, she said that probably never should have made that stage that she watched go to the highest levels solely because they had so much passion they were willing to put in the time and hone their craft. And I almost liken it to the idea of Wayne Gretzky. We say there's only one Wayne Gretzky, only one great one, but the question is, was there only one? Or is there just only one that honed his craft and actually went to that next level? And so just to finish that off, Alan Andrews, who again, worked with Sidney Crosby early in his age and worked with a lot of the hockey greats, said that uh, he's seen people that shouldn't have made it to the NHL that did solely because of the hours they put in and, and what they did to hone their craft and other people that should have been an easy breezy into the NHL that didn't make it. So that was a long way to talk about the non-talent factor, Shelley, but what are your thoughts on this idea of people um, basically being able to put in the hours and maybe even go ahead of somebody who has more natural talent? Actually, what uh, comes to mind is uh, the video that we just watched last week. Um, oh, yes. Make Your Bed with a Navy captain, Navy SEAL captain, I think he was captain, corporal. Um, I guess what makes me think about it is because he was talking about the minions, the group that was like the smallest, you know, of the whole SEAL team. And they were like 5'3", and then everyone else was like six you know, six feet and muscular. And um, so it kind of makes me think of that. So they kept winning and they kept doing better than the guys you would think have the natural talent. So there comes into play was that their passion, their drive to want to make it, to be the seal, even if they had limiting, I mean, I didn't even know they allowed a five, three guy become a seal actually. So, and he said there was a whole team of them. So. Um, it just makes me think of that. And they were doing better than the guys with the natural talent. So I think that that plays a big part of it, you know, like, it, cause it takes so much time and effort, um, to be the best of the best. You know, it's the same as Sidney Crosby, you know, he's 99% natural talent as his coach said, and he works on the 1%. And that's what he focuses in on, and that's why he is the best of the best. So two things I think of there. One, as far as Sydney, um, what you're alluding to, which I think is great, is uh, a friend of mine, Doug Shepard, who is an elite skating coach, played a big part in working with Sydney Crosby. He's the executive director of that same hockey school that I referenced that helped train Sydney. And he told me some of the things Sydney did, you know, getting there at whatever, seven in the morning while everybody else showed up at eight and nine. Um, like we hear about, uh, I forget the ball player who does that. I think it might have been Scotty Pippen or somebody who used to go there and would take a, a thousand shots before everybody else arrived. Uh, so with Sydney, same idea. And I asked him, I said, well, how can you teach somebody like Sydney Crosby who does 99% of it well? And he said, that's the thing, Corey. We're not trying to change the 99% he's already doing well. We're trying to work on that 1% mm -hmm. that he's not doing well. So I love that you added that, Shelly. Uh, and here's a shout out. I'm talking to the fourth wall now, they call it. Uh, so the cameras that are there that the audio uh, audience doesn't even know is sitting there. Uh, but it's kind of a shout out to Mark Goffney, 
So it makes me think of Mark Goffney when you talked about, I think you said the minions. I think he called them the munchkins. Oh, sorry. But no, it's all good. I, Shelley, you guys don't know that yet. You'll discover Shelly makes up names for different things that aren't the actual name. Uh, so I knew what she was talking about. But, um, but having said that, it makes me think of Mark Goffney. And so Mark, for people who don't know who I mean, was born with no arms. Mm-hmm. And Mark decided that he wanted to play guitar. And so here goes to the point about natural talent. Obviously, so he's born with no arms, and his only option to learn how to play guitar would be with his feet. So obviously he wasn't born with a natural talent. I shouldn't say obvious, but you know, probably goes without saying. He wasn't born with a natural talent to play guitar with his feet. I mean, it's not the normal limb you would learn how to play guitar with. And yet, at the same time, that was a driving passion for him. So I think it was around 14 or 15 years of age, he had a friend that played bass, and he got his friend to teach him. I think it was how to play bass first, and then he translated over to guitar. But now, Mark, and I always get a laugh when I say Mark's uh, name of his band is Big Toe, and uh, the website is Big Toe Rock, so a little shout out to his website. Uh, it always gets a laugh, but the truth is, is it's because he plays guitar with his toes, and I've watched him play, and he plays solos that are better than some people that probably would have a natural talent mm-hmm. to play solos better, and were born with arms. And I believe it's because of the non-talent factor. He was willing to put in more time because he knew it would be harder to play with his feet. And the end result is that now you get to go see a gentleman with no arms playing guitar, inspiring people everywhere. And he's been touring, he's played, I think, across North America. He's been on award shows and he's had millions of views for certain videos of his. And I think it's all because of the non-talent factor. He put in the time. So it made me think of Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like a weird comparison to Mark and the Munchkins, but it's because it made me think of the, like I said, the time he's willing to put in that other people didn't. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? I mean, you know who Mark is. I showed you his video. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I guess what comes to my mind is you wanted to buy a shirt. And so he took you over to the car and opened the car door with his feet and opened the trunk and grabbed the shirt and did everything with his feet. So it's not just guitar. I mean, he raised kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he lives his whole life, you know. And to him, that's normal um, because it, it, it's all he knows, right? Um I guess the other thing that comes to my mind was, I think it was Muhammad Ali you had mentioned last week and about the sit-ups, you know, and how many sit-ups does he do and he doesn't start counting till it starts to hurt. So that's kind of the same scenario, right? Um, somebody who is just kind of put going to half-ass it is, you know, going to count and maybe stop before it even hurts where he's going to keep going, you know. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is somebody else who comes to my mind. I mean, obviously he, I don't know why or how, but he's great at everything, it seems. Um, But I think that's also why, is his drive, to drive, to be the best when he starts something. Yeah, it's such a great point, because that's where I heard the Muhammad Ali thing, was through uh, Arnold's speech. And to to finish your point of that, um, and then then we'll wind down, but to finish your point, it makes me think of what he says about uh, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And then he said that people uh, say to him, well, you know, I need to get eight hours sleep. And he said, and he said he, he was going through the hours you have in the day and he left six hours for sleep. And he said, people say, well, I need to get eight hours sleep. He said, well, then sleep faster. <laughs> you know, and it just made me think, but that's drive, right? Mm-hmm. His drive is that he's willing to make it work on six hours of sleep to crush at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I mean, whether a person's a fan of Arnold or not, you think about his life. I mean, he, he struggled with a language barrier and he went on to be, well, pretty arguably probably the most successful bodybuilder in his generation at that time. 
Uh, then he went on to run a mail order business. A lot of people don't know and had a lot of success with it. Then he went to acting and people said he never had a chance and he became, as far as uh, mm -hmm. box office action stars, he became pretty close to the biggest. And then he went to politics. And again, whether you agree with politics or his politics or anything like that, he became a senator of the largest state in the US for two terms, mm -hmm. he got a second term. Uh, so again, to your point, I mean, and even his speeches as a guy who his first uh, native language was in English, uh, his speeches have inspired a lot of people. So I, I do agree with you. I don't necessarily think that he, po I mean, he could have, but it doesn't seem to me he had natural talent in everything he did. It's just that he was willing to go outside the norm and do what most people won't to build that talent at what he did. Well, and I think you're an example of that too, right? I mean, you talk about when you first got into public speaking, you know, the comedy and, you know, the first talks that you did and you were sweating and sweat was dripping and, you know, so you didn't have a natural talent for it, but you put in the time and you put in the effort. And, you know, even for you, um, like, I don't know where you get all the time in a day to accomplish everything that you've accomplished. And you um, watch it. Yeah. You're watching it. You still don't yeah. Know. It's a mystery. Yeah, it is a mystery. <laughs> I guess it's because I'm busy chasing butterflies, but... Well, and, you know, to your point, uh, just to finish things off, we were listening to yesterday as we were working, Eric Thomas, uh, the hip-hop preacher. And Eric Thomas was, and, and I, it's so, I mean, he, he really hits you in the face with what he says, and, and for some people, they don't want to necessarily hear it. But he said, you want, how do you word that? He said, you want my life, but you don't want my hustle. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. The, the point of it, what he was saying was, you want the lifestyle you think I have. Yeah. But you don't want to put in the time it takes to get that lifestyle. Yeah. It's and the same as somebody saying you're lucky. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, you're not lucky. You worked for what you've accomplished. Well, I put a quote up recently, which could be what you're referring to, because I say it a lot, is uh, the quote said, uh, if you something like, um, uh, it's amazing how much work goes into becoming lucky. Yeah. And yeah, to that point, the, it, it takes the work. And, and just like a lot of people said, they'd love to travel as much as me. But you see what it's like when you come with me and sometimes it's not so it's not the greatest i mean so you have to have a passion outside of the travel to make the travel work because a two-week vacation somewhere once a year is not the same as living into your suitcase in a lot of the year so love that uh so just to close this off shelly uh, do you have anything else you want to add on this one or any other things that come to mind about um the idea of the non-talent factor again that i call it in the book anything else you want to share on that before we close things off no i don't think so so I guess for me, the only takeaway for people listening is there's no shortcut. Mm -hmm. You got to put in the time. Are there, you can learn from, like, as you know, Shelly knows, I spend time interviewing high, uh, high achievers and influencers. I interviewed somebody today. Uh, his name is Tyler. And I interviewed him. It was about, he uh, teaches people how to get bestsellers on uh, New York, well, actually Wall Street Journal and USA Today. They're hard to make lists. And uh, in the conversation with Tyler, he said two things. I'm like, never thought of that before. And I've been, yeah, I've been in the book world for, you know, 10 years now. And he said two things I never thought of before. So uh, every day I'm still learning. So the point is, is that there's no shortcuts, but you still, if you can study at the feet of giants, you can probably shortcut the process. You still have to put in the work, you still have to put in the time, but you can make that time shorter. So I hope you'll go out there, be willing to put in the time, but also be willing to learn from others who went there. And we talked about it the other day, if somebody's falling down a manhole and they're willing to tell you where the manhole is, don't walk into the same manhole they just pointed at. No. Well, and you are the five people that you surround yourself with, right? So, I mean, that's, I'm 
surrounded by great people and learn and I'm learning all the time. So, and that's awesome. I love it. Awesome. And to that point, uh, that's another good lesson you can take away from today is figure out who you're surrounding yourself with. I have an exercise called the surround, just it's, <laughs> there's no fancy name or sexy name. It's just the surrounding yourself with exercise and basically doing an inventory of who you're spending your time with and seeing if you need to make adjustments based on the results you're getting. So thank you so much everybody for joining us today. Thank you, Shelly, for joining me. Everybody have an amazing rest of your week and uh, see ya until next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to grab your free copy of The Book of Public Speaking at thebookofpublicspeaking.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.